Amanda. Hey, Tommy. Hey, do you want to go down to the pitch and watch the derby with end-to-end stuff while it's still early doors? <laughs> I do. <laughs> do you have any idea what any of that stuff means? Um, I mean, if I don't, I'm going to learn probably from our friend Ted Lasso. Yeah, because like him, we're Americans. We don't know a lot about soccer terms or things like that. And obviously they call it football. But we are going to talk about our very positive, affirming friend, Ted Lasso. I can't wait. And that's what we're talking about today on Can We Talk About? What would you rather be, a lion or a panda? I don't have time for this. Okay. Ted? Gotta go panda. Are you mad? Pandas are fat and lazy and have piss-stained fur. Lions are powerful and majestic and rule the jungle. Try telling that to an elephant. Ooh, could I be an elephant? Mm-mm, lion or panda? Panda. Lion! What's black and white and red all over? I don't know what. A panda that gets anywhere near a fucking lion. The answer is lion. All right. That Rebecca is an intimidating, very tall woman. I mean... The minute she locked eyes with me, I, like, started swinging. Oh, no. You know, she got some pencil, all right, but you just got to hop over Hi, babe. Mm. Hey, Jamie, what would you rather be, a lion or a panda? Coach, I'm me. Why would I want to be anything else? I'm not sure you realize how psychologically healthy that actually is. Can we talk about Ted Lasso? I love Ted Lasso. Who, if you don't love Ted Lasso, the only way you don't love Ted Lasso is if you haven't seen Ted Lasso. That's the only yeah. way. Well, I feel like if if you haven't, well, I, all right, I, I I know you meant by see the show. Yes, if you tell me there's someone that you know that's seen this show and doesn't love it, eliminate them from your life. What I was going to go with too is when you say if anyone's seen Ted Lasso, you mean the show, but even if you've at least seen like a poster or like Jason Sudeikis's Anything. face, yeah. you can't not love Jason Sudeikis in that, in the character of Ted Lasso. Like he's just, he's just bubbly. And, and this entire show just encompasses like good feelings and love. The I don't epitome know. It's, of it's feel good. Show. Yeah. Yeah. The epitome it's, it's, of feel good. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. And I remember that feeling. And I think, Maybe this is something we can discuss in general, but like this show came out during the pandemic and a lot of people binge watched it and that's how it became popular. But I also think because of its feel good nature and the time we all watched this, it was exactly kind of what we needed. And like, I don't know if this would be as popular if it didn't air during the pandemic. I think that's a completely astute statement because I didn't watch it from the get-go. I didn't start watching it. Like, I had seen previews for it, and I was like, oh, I love Jason Sudeikis. Maybe I'll watch that. But also, I don't think that they really marketed what the show was going to be very well in the beginning. I remember seeing, just so everyone knows, this started as uh, a commercial. And I remember the commercials. It was for NBC's, uh, they were going to start showing the Premier League, the soccer, I'm sorry, football, soccer for us. (laughs) Soccer on the television, which I loved it because they had no script. So Jason Sudeikis and Coach Beard, who plays, you know, they had no script. It was complete improv. And I loved it because I loved Jason Sudeikis. So I was like, oh, this is so funny. Kind of forgot that it was a commercial. Yeah. And people had talked about it, talked about it. But I think I've mentioned this before. My pandemic situation was very different. I wasn't under lockdown. I wasn't at home. So. The reason I really wanted to watch it, believe it or not, was I, we talked about this on the last episode. 
the dart scene on TikTok went viral. They yeah. like showed the dart scene and it went completely viral on TikTok. I was like, what is this show? Yeah. This is incredible. I cannot wait to watch this. And I really wanted to watch it. And then like most shows yeah. in my house, my fiance was like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. And then eventually someone he is friends with was like, oh, you should watch Ted Lasso. And then he was like, hey, yeah. have you ever heard of Ted Lasso? We should watch it. I'm like, you motherfucker. Yeah. I'm trying to get you to watch a show for months. <laughs> I think what you're saying is so honest that we wouldn't have enjoyed it without knowing like we need this happiness and we need to feel good again because I feel like pre-pandemic it was like <laughs> we were Game of thrones We wanted murder. Yeah. We wanted, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was like if you just offered us a warm hug, we were like, get, especially in New York, get the fuck off of me. Yeah. And then this was the warm hug that everybody needed but couldn't get and I really... Yeah. I think everything about the show was done perfectly. Perfect timing, perfect cast. Yeah. I don't think I would change a single thing. And I know that that's a bold statement. Yeah. Well, I got to explain some behind the scenes stuff because I think okay. it's worth mentioning, which before any, before we go any further too, um, for those that don't know, if you've never seen the show have, or have no idea what it is, maybe you've heard of it. The concept behind the show is there's Ted Lasso. He's college football, like NCAA coach. And there's a viral video of him just like sort of dancing with his team in the locker room, being goofy, being, you know, what Jake think Jason Sudeikis in the like, what's up with that sketches on SNL doing that little like little dance he does running man dance. Yeah. Yeah. The running man dance. And he ends up becoming a coach of AFC Richmond, which is this uh, premier league team in uh, Richmond in the UK without spoiling anything else beyond that. That's the setup for the, for the series There's a little bit more there. But I want to touch on something. And first and foremost, we can't talk about this show and its inception without talking about Brendan Hunt. And there's actually a little connection here, too. So Brendan Hunt plays Coach Beard, who, by the way, makes uh, an appearance in the show we did on our last episode, Community. Do you know where? Do you know this fun fact? No, I only know it as a fun fact doing the research for this, but I do not remember it. So one of my favorite scenes from Community to go back that we never actually talked about that I loved was there's an episode in Community where what's his uh, I forgot his character's name. We just did this episode a week ago and I already forgot his <gasps> name. Which one? Uh, Jeff? Jeff. Yes. Jeff Winger. Yes. <laughs> OK. There's an episode where Jeff Winger is sort of avoiding the group and he pretends to be sick so he doesn't have to help them move or anything. And when he's doing that, he's actually at the mall and he has the de- the deans with him. And the dean knows that he's sort of like lying to his friends and trying not to hang out with him. And then he ends up taking him to a karaoke studio where they end up singing Kiss by a Rose, uh, which is one of my favorite scenes of Jeff Winger. Classic. And the dean singing Kiss by a Rose. That is intercut with a scene of Britta and Shirley giving a homeless man a ride in their car. And the homeless man starts singing Jesus Loves Marijuana. That homeless man is Brendan Hunt. Oh. So that was like his one uh, appearance there. But anyway, that was the, that was the connection I to this. That. In this podcast, we just did an episode about community in there. And the, can we talk the, about universe? Yes. In the, in the, yeah, our, our broad, the uh, the cinematic universe. But here's the thing. So Brendan Hunt was in Second City in Chicago where I think he, I think even there, he might've even worked with Jason Sudeikis, but he went to Amsterdam to perform in a, in a group called Boom Chicago. But he lived in Amsterdam for a while and then came back to the US and then did an entire one man show based around his time living in Amsterdam. 
Then he worked with Jason Sudeikis on the movie Where the Millers. And I think that's where they connected a little bit more. And then they ended up working and doing that that thing for NBC, which was the Ted Lasso kind of interstitials and then led to that. And then I'll be honest, I don't know if you actually know this, but then the other person who's involved in this show who I have I have opinions about and I'll share somewhere during this episode is Bill Lawrence, who is the creator of Cougar Town, who we also talked about last week, and uh, more famously, uh, Scrubs. But those are the minds behind the series. And before I, I shut up for a couple minutes and let you talk, there was one thing I noticed in this episode without maybe a slight spoiler here, but it was something that you had mentioned a while on another episode we did about Apple products. Now, clearly this this series is is for Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus, what their VOD network. But when the show starts up, we have Rebecca, who seems like she's going to be the antagonist, like seems like she's going to be the person that's going to be the bad guy for the series. But I noticed right up front, She's using Apple She's products. got an iPhone. Yeah. She's got an iPhone. She's using a la- Apple laptop. And anyway, I was like, well, maybe. And I was thinking in my head and I'm like, well, I, it's on Apple's service. So clearly, like, I, I got to imagine everyone's going to use it. But I think, honestly, next season will be more interesting to see because I feel like we finally have a villain coming to the show. I don't want to jump ahead too far. But we have a pseudo villain brewing we do. for the, for we the do. new season that's uh Which broke my heart. Soon. But yeah. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, I'll, I'm, I'm going that. ahead too far. I'm jumping ahead too far. No, no, that was a perfect lay. You got lay the ground floor for this. But this show, again, I, I feel like it's going without saying, if you haven't seen the show, there definitely will be spoilers once we get into favorite episodes and things that we talk about. So there will be spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Just a fair warning. So watch the show first and then come back to yeah. us because the new season is coming out, which is why yeah. we are recording this now and excitement yeah. for that. Which, by the way, I should say, I should yeah. say before we before we continue you know, episodes of this podcast live in infamy. We're recording this ahead of the release of season three. So we're just talking about yes. seasons one and two. Just seasons one and clear. two. Yeah. Completely. So when you're talking about- That's a good call. Oh, this happened or or something about Nate, which is inevitable, is like, we have no idea if anything, if that happened in season three because we haven't gotten there yet. So. <sighs> Nate the great, my ass. So- Nate the great. <laughs> <laughs> With the exception of Jason Sudeikis bringing me to yeah. this show- Huge Brett Goldstein fan. And I love him as a comedic writer. And one of my favorite stories, once you get into the cast and why they cast and who they cast, but Brett Goldstein was a writer on the show. And as he's writing, Roy was like, I can play Roy. Like this character is me. I can play this. And just randomly sent an audition tape to the producers and was like, listen, if this is good, great you can watch it yeah. and if you don't want to and you're embarrassed we can pretend this never happened and we don't have to talk about it <laughs> it was just like sent that in an email with an audition tape and was just like yeah. throwing it out there but i can't imagine anyone else playing that character could you yeah no no absolutely I not could and, not and, and he's such a unique character like again I, I started watching the show from the beginning ahead of us recording this this pod this episode and you know i mean i feel like his voice changes a little bit like he finds his groove later on but even like just the the squinting of the eyes and like just like his look and then you t- you hear him in person and he you know he doesn't sound like that like he's a no you know yeah but i mean obviously it's, it's put on but i love the fact that he was a writer on the show and then was like yeah no i can i can do this i can i can, I can totally do this, do this. and um i it's also hannah waddingham who is very 
popular in like the West End theatrical productions. Like she's very well known in that world. And I wasn't really familiar with her, but she is fucking incredible. She plays Rebecca, who is the owner of the team who divorces her husband and in the divorce, her husband, who's played by Anthony Head. She gets the soccer team football team yeah. we're gonna fuck that up so many times i'm sorry <laughs> she gets the team in the divorce and her yeah. whole big plan is let me hire this coach from america who knows nothing about soccer and it's yeah. just gonna drive this fucking team into the ground my ex-husband loves this team more than anything in the universe and i'm yeah. going to implode it and turn it into a pile of shit because he cheated on me a quadrillion times yeah. and then eventually as the show grows you know, Jason Sudeikis slash Ted Lasso comes into this with the biggest heart, trying so hard, wow. wants to do so much for the team. And she finds that heart and she backs him and it becomes this like yeah. beautiful, feel good story. Something that I think is really important to talk about when you talk about Ted Lasso, especially season two, mm-hmm. it is a beautiful display of how important it is to support men's mental health. Yeah, it is oh, so important and it's so beautifully portrayed and it is raw and it is probably i would say the best depiction on television of somebody just to kind of tie that back to lasso's character yeah has really bad panic disorder and, and anxiety attacks and they eventually get a therapist for the team played by sarah niles who is incredible and ted lasso is just super his character is super fun loving and funny and you would think there's nothing wrong with him. And then behind the scenes, he has his panic attacks as he's going through a divorce yeah. and it's this whole big thing, but they show peeling those layers off until he can finally like confront what's really causing those things as funny and feel good as the show is. I feel like there's such an underlying tone to how important the show was, especially going at the time it was, you know, during the pandemic, yeah. people were watching this. It, at first, you're like, oh, a show about sports. And yeah. then it just becomes so much more. And it's, I don't know if we're painting the picture, but it is hilarious. It might be one of the funniest shows I've seen in years as far as yeah. writing and attention to detail. I'll tell you this. I mean, and I had to, and I had to pull up the name of the episode. So season one, there's an episode called Make Rebecca Great Again. And you literally <laughs> stole my line, great, uh, which is... As someone who has suffered from anxiety attacks, depression, and and things like that in the past, and still do, watching Ted, I cried. I mean, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll flat oh, out. Say, I did as well, and my fiance yeah. would not be ashamed for me to tell you he yeah. did as well. It was yeah. hard cries. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a scene in there. If you haven't seen it, just stop right now and and I, don't don't spoil this for yourself. But there's a scene in that episode. It's it's make Rebecca great again. See, uh, episode seven of the first season. The team is out on the town, and uh, Ted is dealing with like the stress of like you know his his divorce and or impending divorce again. And he's not trying to. And it's I think that's that's it too. Is you empathize with him and what his struggle is of like you know a family and a relationship and like ending and it ending and without out of your sort of out of your control and not what you want, but sort of what is happening and, or what you have to do or some combination of there. But yeah, like there's, there's the depiction of him having a panic attack. And, and I said it to my wife at the time too. I'm like, this is like, I've never seen a show depict like as, as like, closely and and like capture the essence of what it's like to have a panic attack and and be in that kind of situation and and 
not the outside looking in, but like from his perspective, that feeling and overwhelming and, and also just not being in a safe place. Cause obviously he's out in a, they're, they're in Liverpool. They're not in their hometown. And so they're traveling, yeah. they're away from home and he's out. He's not even at his hotel at that point. And that leaving a safe space and being away from a safe place and, and suffering from that is, you know, sort of compounds on it, but amazing depiction. And yeah, to your point too, and maybe it's because I've been close to it too, but like through the second season where, you know, it's pushed upon the team and Ted to have a, you know, a therapist and like, you know, someone to talk to and trying to crack the Ted code, if you will. I'm like, Ted doesn't need this. I'm like on Ted's side for a little bit. I'm like, he doesn't need this. Why are you trying to like, he's a positive person and all this other stuff. And I think that's the thing is everything might seem perfect or, or there are people. And I feel like, you know, I, I feel like I've gone through this too, of everything's fine. I'm swallowing the pain and, and everything mm-hmm. I'm putting out is, is, you know, I'm not lashing out at people. I'm not doing anything bad. I'm the nicest person you can meet. So why are you trying to change that? And I think that that's, they tackle that in the second season, especially. And so, yeah, just in general, this show tackles a lot of, and again, perfect for the pandemic world, like it tackles does. so much yeah. of mental health. Yeah, it does. And one of my favorite moments is when Ted starts. So there's, Again, we're going to give stuff away, so I do apologize, yeah. <laughs> but he, you know, everybody has to meet with this therapist and he's just so fun loving. And it, it kind of reminded me about the way that everybody felt when Robin Williams died, right? Yeah. How could Robin Williams die by suicide? He was the happiest person in the world. He makes everybody laugh. And sometimes it's those people who are, you know, outwardly, like you just said, the, the nicest, the happiest, the, you know, yeah. the best comedians that suffer the most inside. And that episode where he finally breaks in her office, it was just, now we know why, fun fact, Amanda, fun fact, that uh, this show broke the Emmy record, right? Was it the Emmy record? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Beating dun, 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 Glee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many, there's just so many scenes in the show that are so important, but surrounded by so much comedy because it's yeah. such like a heartbreaking scene. And then you're laughing because of that stupid dog bobblehead thingy. You're like, then you're laughing. Like it's immediate. Yeah. It's so important. You're so caught up in the emotion and then you're laughing and they do it yeah. so well. They do it seamlessly. Yeah. Again, major spoilers. I want to keep saying it every time I get into yeah, something I where I'm like, this this would ruin it for someone. The the first season kicks off and and as you mentioned with like the setup of, you know, Rebecca is setting Ted up for failure. He wants she wants the soccer club, the football club, to fail. She wants it to fall apart. She wants it to just be, you know, I, I can say it in seven different ways. But and then all of a sudden, as we start getting towards the end of the first season, it starts getting closer to Ted's gonna find out that Rebecca set him up. That this that this yeah. was and this is the big and then the show subverts your expectations of of not the characters or anything, but of a show itself, of a sitcom or drama or dramedy, whatever you want to characterize this as. It subverts that expectation by Ted being like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, just, yeah, all right, I get it's it. Not, it's not I a conflict, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Conflict is supposed to be like, this is building up. You know, someone's going to find something out and they're going to react to it. And Ted doesn't react. And he just says, like, I forgive you. It's It's okay. We're done. Like, and then there's no conflict anymore. And that's the thing too is, you know, before that even happens about him finding out, Rebecca turns and becomes an, uh, 
she, I, I feel like everyone is like, you know, Ted Lasso's kindness is like a virus that spreads throughout Richmond and the people around. Absolutely. Him. Everyone starts by who is this wanker and why is he coming here? And, and this is crazy. Doesn't and then even suddenly, know the rules of soccer. Doesn't no. even know a single rule. <laughs> and then they all begin to love Ted and fall for his. Everyone at first sort of thinks like, oh, what's this guy's shtick? Right. No one's this happy. No one's this positive all the time. And you do find out a little bit more about his backstory and things like that, but nothing where it's the, the facade never comes down. This is who Ted is. And, and it almost is a commentary on the world itself. I'm not trying to get too deep here, but it's almost a commentary on the world itself of it's okay that people like this can exist, right? This is a world where like, I think even today we're still like, we, we don't have a new uh, Mr. Rogers in our world, right? Like, like everyone is, so easily and quickly disappointed by your heroes in this world today. It's, we don't have Bob Rosses. We don't have Mr. Rogers, right? Those, those people don't seem to exist anymore. Or is it that, or is it, have we just kind of given up and we've become pessimistic? I've seen people pessimistic about this show. I think there's been articles written about like, oh, how, you know, the things that I think I love about the show, which is the fact that there isn't a lot of conflict, but how do you have a, a sitcom with no conflict it's like, no, there's little things. It, it captures the nuances of relationships and family and love and all these different things in not over-the-top ways and, and takes a more positive spin on it, but in a still entertaining way, <laughs> which aside from the language, it could be a family show. <laughs> aside from, you know. The language makes you know, it. Yeah, the best. language is the only thing that probably turns it away from being <laughs> it's like a family. Best. Like, yeah. Otherwise, this is something that could have been on like TGIF in the 90s. You know, maybe if it was a studio setting. But anyway, whole point there is even in people writing up about this show, they have a pessimistic look on like, oh, it's a show with no direction or it's a show that like there's no like what's the conflict? Who's the good guy and the bad guy? Like what's actually happening? And I think it's a poor way to look at the show. And I think it it I sets a reflection on us as a society of being like, no, like. Why can't this be a character? It is enjoyable to watch and just shedding itself of like, no, there's not going to be some back and forth or like Rebecca is working against Ted and then he finds out and then he lashes out or whatever. It's like, no, like that's, no that's, and, egos, yeah. that's things that your expectation of conflict is the problem itself. But I feel like the, yeah. the conflict in this show is just like, yes, it starts out with little like, you know, Hannah Waddingham, Rebecca, she is, yeah. like you said, going to be the conflict. But I feel like they eventually just make like everyday life is a conflict. Like bad yeah. shit happens to good people. And how yeah. do you get through that? And Jamie Tart, yeah. who plays, you know, he's the number one player on the team. Bit of a fucking douchebag. He's like so full of himself. He's dating yeah. Keely Jones, played by Juno Temple, who is so fucking funny in the show. Yeah. And they break up he gets traded to another team or goes to another team for more money and kind of leaves the team fucked, like completely yeah. fucked. Like he was their whole thing. And how are we going to recover from that? And you hate him, right? Like you hate him. Yeah. And there's a little conflict yeah. there. You're like, what a fucking asshole. This guy sucks. Yeah. Good for Keely. Now she's going to date Roy, yeah. who's played by Brett Goldstein. Like good for her. Yeah. And then it comes back around in true Ted Lasso fashion that you realize that he's not an asshole. He comes from a really shitty family with a father who only gives a shit about what clout he can get from his son. Yeah. And then before you know it, the end of season two, you're like a diehard Jamie Tart fan. Yeah. He's one of the funniest characters on the show. Yeah. 
it, it shows that characters can be redeemed. People can be redeemed. And that's the thing too. Like I'm even looking through like some of like the synopsises for the episodes. And for yeah. the most part, there's something else we got to get, we got we to talk about Nate eventually, but like aside <gasps> from like things sort of building up and everything, you don't necessarily see like, Oh, this is the episode where this happens. Like, the Christmas episode in season two is like Roy and Keeley attempt a romantic, sexy Christmas, but it's derailed because Roy's niece, uh, Phoebe visits. That like, is so, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that the Christmas episodes in this show in season yeah. one and season two are quite possibly some of my favorite episodes in television history, especially season yeah. two's episode. I yeah. cried so hard. <laughs> Yeah. I cried so hard that episode. <laughs> it was just so beautiful, and you didn't think it yeah. was going to be. I also feel like I there is so much attention to detail. I know that you know I love my fun facts and my Easter eggs, yeah. but the Easter eggs in this show are even overwhelming to me, who I seek them. Yeah, but like every single time I learn of you know something else about the show, I'm like, this is fucking genius. Yeah. Very similar to Community. We didn't even get to touch on all of them, but there's no, so oh, many. Yeah. I didn't know until like two weeks ago when we said we were going to do this episode that Jason Sudeikis' uncle is George Went, who played yeah. Norm in Cheers. Yeah. And Jason Sudeikis loves Cheers, obviously, and there's so yeah. many Cheers references in this show. And then yeah. in like the locker room, there's a picture of Roy Kent right next to a picture of George Went. In Cheers, signed to Jason Sudeikis or signed to Ted Lasso. And yeah. I was like, this is incredible. And it's so yeah. fucking funny. I think it's actually in, is it in the kebab place, the picture? Oh, I don't and know. I don't know. I, I think it's I, in I Roy's favorite kebab place. Kebab and shop. in the same, yeah, it's in the kebab place. And then on the same wall, there's a picture of the guy from Marcus Mumford from Mumford and Sons. Do you know this story? No. Jason Sudeikis and he, Marcus Mumford, became very good friends when Marcus Mumford was on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And then it was a, you'll know better than I will. It was like Jason Sudeikis, Ed Helms, Jason Bateman. They were in the Hopeless Wanderer music video. I didn't know this. No, I didn't oh my know gosh. this. This is, oh, I'm, I'm impressing you with things that yeah. I, oh, look at me go. So they were in his music video yeah. for Hopeless Wanderer for Mumford and Son, but I think Marcus Mumford's solo now. But when it came time to writing the score for this show, Jason Sudeikis yeah. was like, could you score the show? So the whole show is scored by Marcus Mumford. And in yeah. the same kebab shop where the picture of the Cheers guy is, is a picture of him saying something like your kebab place has no damn right to be this good. Marcus Mumford. <laughs> it's like, That's awesome. I had no idea. Oh, there's so, so many tiny, tiny little details that I don't know them. Someone else finds yeah. them for me and tells me that they exist. But <laughs> it's funny, too, is that Jason Sudeikis, which we got to talk about him and for a second, because he is he's amazing. He's so likable as a person. I think between him and his fellow SNL cast member, I, which we have to do an episode episode on. Have we have you seen Barry on HBO? I think I've asked you this offline, maybe. No, that is one that we have to plow through because, yeah. like you said, the episodes are really, they're like very digestible, short 30 minute episodes, yeah. right? Yeah. But I was, where I was going with that is like Bill Hader is like another between Bill Hader and oh Jason Sudeikis out of that, Bill like, Hader. out of that era of SNL are like two guys that 
like I would love to just I would love to hang out with Jason Sudeikis or Bill Hader like and just chat with them about the world. And I think they're also both of them are seemingly very down to earth. I think Sudeikis has kind of built a reputation of himself to be a likable person. And part of that, which we should touch on, we, we got to get past it at some point. Might as well do it early. This makes me sad. Is the fallout of his relationship, not even marriage, because they don't think they weren't married, right? No, but they had two kids. Yeah. Two kids? Two uh, kids? Two kids. With Olivia Wilde, who oh, I think Olivia. is universally known to have done him dirty. Oh, Olivia, Olivia, Olivia. Yeah. She fucked him over hard. And we don't know what happened. We kind of no. talked about it in the beginning of this podcast about the Don't Worry Darling drama and how kind of really overshadowed an otherwise pretty good movie. Because it's just the drama got out of control. But it makes me very sad that this happened to him. Because not that she's a good person, but I used to love watching Jason Sudeikis when he would either host Ellen. Like if he was on Ellen, I would just find the clip from him on Ellen because he would always reveal stuff about... I don't know if they're friends or neighbors or whatever it may be, but like their relationship and their kids. And they just seemed like the most fun... I don't know. Like it was, you know how like when Chris Pratt and Anna Faris broke up and the internet was like, Uh, no, if they can't make it, no one can. And I was like, at least we still have, you know, Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis. And then when they broke up, everyone was like, no, how is this possible? No, honestly, I mean, I I mean, I think it was the same thing for Amy Poehler and. uh, And Will Arnett, but they're best friends. Like they're still very good friends. Honestly, I mean, at this point, I think, I think the, uh, the Kristen Bell, Dak Shepard marriage, if that fell apart, that's you, the last one. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Or Mila and Ashton Kutcher. If anything from that happened, I can't. Yeah. I would be no, so Dak, sad. Dak Shepard and, and Kristen Bell are meant for each other. Like that. That's, that's one couple where they just seem like they are destined to be together. They've been together since 2013. So they've been together 10 years, which in Hollywood is an eternity. So, And as much as I love Dak Shepard, he seems like a real fucking handful to be married yeah. to. So if she's putting up with it, I think he yeah. knows it's about as good as it's going to get. But in yeah. this marriage, yeah. back to Jason Sudeikis, like I, it just, just goes to show that you don't know, but it just, yeah. she kind of urged him to do this, right? Like she was yeah. kind of the one behind this. Like you, you need to do this. You have to do this. Yeah. Which well, and, and funny enough, I thought there was crossover before, like as it was written, but it wasn't, which actually makes it sort of a little bit more heartbreaking is that, because it, it, it all uh, comes apart in the first season. And I think in the second season is when we tack a little bit more. And that's actually when he was going through the split. Oh, because God, yeah. this, the, the first season premiered August of 2020. And then him and uh, Olivia Wilde split in about November of that year. So after the... Do you think it's because she was cheating on him with Harry Styles? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's what okay. happened. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I really like love Harry Styles. So I'm sad. I know. <sighs> I was but. hoping you had some insight. Hope you're gonna just change it for me. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, it is, it is what it is. It's, it's, you know. I mean, what's funny too is it's, it's one of those things. Like everything else is like, oh, that's that's a rumor. Or that's actually fake. Or that was a that was made up. Or there was no PR spinning away from that. And it, I think no. the the telltale sign from the inside industry, if you will, is if Olivia wanted to counter that like rumor, her PR people could have. But I think it actually worked in her interest of like she was okay being associated with Harry Styles and it wasn't let out of PR. She was just, you know, so 
I mean, would you? All right. Would you? Would you be like, hey, no, 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 no. Me and Harry Styles are not in a relationship. Everyone, stop saying that. If I was married to Jason Sudeikis, I wouldn't. Well, they were married. Go anywhere. I don't yeah, care if I'm. Yeah. If I, at some point in my life, got his penis inside of me two times to make two children, I'm going nowhere. Nowhere. Yeah. So no. <laughs> But I love Harry Styles, so that does make me yeah. sad. Like, we've talked a lot about Jason Sudeikis. So that does yeah. suck, because she did urge him to do the show. Even one of the players' last name is Cockburn, which is like a reference to her. <laughs> that's her. Hilarious. That's her maiden name, I believe. Her family name. Is it really? Cockburn. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, he, do- wow. he does a lot of that. There's like a, a his best friend from, I don't know if it's childhood or whatever yeah. it may be. His last name is like Bumber... Boom, something. Boomer. Yeah. Brimblecom. Brimblecom. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, I swear to God. And Coach Beard has it on the board with all the players when they're trying to make their plays and make their things. And Brimblecom yeah. is one of the players that he has on there. They've been friends. I think they oh, met I doing improv that. or something. TikTok told me, that. so it must be true. <laughs> but this guy, Brimblecom. Yeah. Brimblecom, not Brimblecom. Yeah. Let's get that right. He has a um, an organization for amputees because I guess he's an amputee and and does some really wonderful things for amputees like himself. So it's a nice little touch. But there's so many players and yeah. things on the board. Like, do you know any of these? No, what? Like the the names on the board that Coach Beard writes. No, I don't know any. I don't. I have oh no my fun God, facts. There's such a good one. There's I'll one episode. Season one, episode seven in the Make Rebecca Great Again episode. Yeah. Coach Beard's on writing names on the whiteboard and he wrote mm-hmm. the name Hatch in the goalkeeper spot. And then if you look at the rest of the names, it's a reference to the 1981 movie Victory. And Sylvester Stallone plays a goalkeeper named Hatch. And the whole lineup on the board is the rest of the allied side from that movie. And they do oh, wow, shit like that, that all over. Like this show has the craziest Easter eggs. Yeah. Which is a Jason Sudeikis thing. Like that is all. Is it him. really? 100% okay, I him. He wants a call yeah. back all the time, but he doesn't yeah. want it to be like in your face. I think it's him and uh, Brendan Hunt. They're both. Yeah. Well, rewatching it too, I was, I was realizing the, especially in the first couple episodes, there is some really amazing cinematography and the, and the directing is really good. Especially ironically enough in, in the episode that Zach Braff directed, which was episode two. Like some of the cinematography and how it like captures some of like the most important things and like just just the way the camera moves around too, it's it's understated. But and I'll use this as a segue. You talked about all these Easter eggs and things. The arc of season two and where we're kind of headed into season three is all about neat. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, but one of the things that I saw people discuss especially after this you know season two had ended was how there were some grievances nate had like you never did this you never whatever and they said yeah if you go back and watch like ted didn't mean it and clearly this kid is like suffering and dealing with his own issues internally but ted just being like yeah that's great nate like like or like you know hey yeah thanks again and like disregarding him without realizing he's doing it meant so much more to this kid than Ted even realized he did. And especially someone coming from someone as positive as Ted, you almost dismiss it immediately. Like that's not, Ted didn't do that. And everyone's like, no, no, go back and watch. Like Ted did do that. It wasn't intentional. He did. Absolutely. And I feel like, 
watching it with a fresh set of eyes, having watched through seasons one and two once. And I did the same thing. I started back season one by myself a couple months ago. And watching it back, you see how hungry Nate is for positive male attention, like starving for it. So you do see those moments where in Ted's mind, he's like, yeah, yeah. Nate knows I love him. Nate knows he's a good, he's a diamond dog, you know, wolf, right. wolf. Yeah. like he knows he's, yeah. he's in there. He's in there like swimwear, baby. But yeah. you also see those moments where Ted kind of throws him a bone yeah. and Nate like uses it as oxygen. Like he yeah. lives off of that compliment. Like he's going to die without it yeah. and goes to the ends of the world for that situation so it is really sad to watch it back and like here's the thing it's ted lasso right so at the end of the season we might hate nate by season three episode two nate might be our favorite character again we just have to give it time so his character arc i think is probably one of the more interesting ones right because he starts off like cute little sweet nate he's like the equipment yeah. manager that nobody respects but yeah ted sees he's something in him and brings him into the fold he's getting bullied yeah. and grows up to the ranks and then you kind of see his parents who think this isn't good enough what you're doing is not good yeah. enough oh you're the assistant coach of a famous soccer team well that's not good enough you know like yeah. we wanted you to be a doctor or lawyer or whatever it may yeah. be and so <laughs> yeah. you know so he's got that internal battle again a perfect yeah. explanation and iteration of how this show kind of touches in all aspects of you just don't know what a person's going through. And like, you just yeah. don't know why people are the way they are. And while it's not an excuse, it gives you a really good, almost like an insight to all these people. But yeah. do you hate Nate or do you think there's hope for him? I mean, especially rewatching it from the beginning, there's something that Ted says to Trent. Trent Krim, the independent. Yep. <laughs> I was waiting for you. I, I was like my up. voice needs to go lower. Uh, Trent Krim, the independent. Where he says his job, like, you know, he says, like, what do you love? You love writing. Okay. Well, my I love coaching. And he mentions how, you know, it's not about which sport. He loves coaching. And it's kind of funny because like even in my life and like working with teams and stuff, like it's something that I actually take to heart a lot. It's like you feel like it, it has nothing to do with your what you're doing, right? It's not that I can go from soccer team to soccer team or football team to football team, right? It's, you can go from football team coach to a car factory, right? But if your job is to coach people, if your job is to do that, you know, Ted mentioned somewhere, he's like, his job is to get the best out of people. That's what his job as a coach is. And so- Oof, That hit home. That hit home yeah. for me. It really did and, it hit home. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> me too. Me too, Ted. And so with what he's doing and what he did with Nate, he, especially when you're watching from the beginning- He's looking and he has like, for instance, with Roy, right? Coach Beard says, why are you winding them up? And he's like, that's the one. And he's talking about Roy. He's like, that's, you know, he's the one because he knows that he's going to be the leader. He's going to be the one everyone looks up to. But he has to kind of like light the spark. He has to light the, you know, the fuse to, to have him do it on his own. He can't make someone do it. And he knows what his limitations are. It has to be their own decision. And so I think, you know, with Jamie, with Roy, Ted has a vision for this is what they need to get themselves to. This is how I have to bring out the best of them. With Nate, I don't think he's actively trying to coach Nate necessarily, but he's part of the team. And that's just he's in Ted's circle. Ted isn't giving it a second thought, right? Ted isn't looking at him like you're broken. He's just like you need some confidence, right? And he, and he, and he throws him the bones and gives him confidence when necessary. But Nate needs a lot more than that. 
And then on top of that, too, you talk about like bringing out the best in people. He went from being this quiet, mousy, timid guy to as soon as you give him some confidence, he he sort of goes in a in a very negative direction because he doesn't know how to control. He's never done that. He's never been that guy. So it's his first. He's never. Yeah, I don't feel like he's ever had permission to have confidence. Right. And yeah. so he finally has some confidence and suddenly, you know, which, by the way, I, I found out was Nick Muhammad, the, the, a guy who plays Nate. It was the whole spinning on the mirror thing, which is disgusting. And I'm like, yeah, I have a hard time watching it, too. Yeah, that was, that was, um, spitters are quitters, that was, Nate. <laughs> that was his, that was his, that was his choice to do as a character. Like, that wasn't in the script or anything. He thought it was something to, you know, bring to a physical realm what his feelings of himself were of the character. And so that pr- comes out a few different times. And then like, even like his sort of gross uh, attempts with Keely at, at some point too, which is like, oh, Ugh. now we're crossing weird lines, but it's really this like guy who's been like craving confidence and he wanted to be something bigger and, and was always just like beaten down. Well, now he's given the runway and he doesn't know how to drive. He doesn't know how to fly a plane. He doesn't know how to, you know. So it's interesting to see. And then it's almost like, you know, it's a tower of cards of like the confidence is just confidence, right? It's not built around as maybe as much talent as he believes. So I think with like every character on the show is the closest you've actually gotten to like a serious nemesis for That's Ted Lasso. Fair. But at the most, it's like, well, you sort of created a monster. You created your own monster. Yeah. Yeah. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Well, here's the thing. There, I feel like there's so many like Nate is really important season two, right? Like he's really just, he's just an important character throughout the thing. He's a very stagnant character, but I really want to talk about like the smaller characters because I think what's another beautiful thing about this show is while you have showrunners, right? Like you have like yeah. the main in your face characters, mm. these side characters or smaller characters, B characters, whatever you want to call them are so fucking good. Yeah. Like Cristo Fernandez who plays Denny Rojas. Yeah, he was a professional soccer player, which is even better in the yeah yeah, in the auditions for the show. They Hmm. said not only send us your acting thing, but you also had to know how to play soccer. Like you had to have a decent set of soccer skills. Which in listen, Americans, we are the only country (laughs) in the world that does not universally view football slash soccer the way that the rest of the world does. It's the most universally viewed and adored and followed sport 
in yeah. the world. So I feel like every single person that was not American in this show yeah. probably had some decent soccer chops. But yeah. The guy that plays Sam is so wonderful. And the storyline that kind of happens with he and and Rebecca. Oh, my God. I love that oh, storyline. But also, oh, it's so it's good. So heartbreaking. And so heartbreaking. But like one of my favorite characters, and I, I feel like you're going to automatically have an answer for this, is Higgins. Higgins is yeah. essentially Rebecca's assistant who just gets shit on, yeah. shit on, shit on, but is still yeah. got that kind of Ted Lasso, like, okay, absolutely, whatever you say. Blah, blah, blah. They kick him out of his office all the time to yeah. make room for like random people. He's got an office in the used equipment closet by yeah. like the dirty cleats, and he's just like so happy to be there. Yeah. And he is such a beautiful character in that first Christmas episode in season one when he has all of the team members over that don't have families. Yeah, and they have that big, that. beautiful dinner when he he says like thank you to uh, and like cheers to every individual player's hometown. It's not the yeah. hometown from the show; it's their actual hometowns. Yeah, like where the really? actors from. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize that's great. That's that's another. That's Easter. such a good episode. Oh yeah. God! And my fiance's probably favorite line is uh, Danny Rojas shows up with like, uh, I mean, like I'd call it jungle juice, but it's like, like. Sangria, maybe I don't know. And he's like, hey, I brought you some cocktails, yeah. and he's like, you can get a little cheeky and add some alcohol to it. And he's like, uh, Danny, this one sound smells yeah. like it <laughs> has alcohol. And he goes, that one comes pre-cheat. <laughs> it's pre-cheat. Yeah. <laughs> but I also feel like there's just so many good characters. Yeah. Well, I was going to say too. One of my favorites that comes out in season two, and he's he's a, a guest star for a couple episodes, is Sam Richardson, who. I love Sam Richardson because I'm a huge fan of Detroiters and I think you should leave with Tim Robinson, which I've, I've we, we're going to do an episode on. And then he's in the after party, which is also another Apple TV series. Did, did you watch that? Mm-mm. Is it good? The app, yeah, uh, it's supposed to be. I haven't seen it yet, I but I feel like that's it. another one's going to get added to our list at some point because that's uh, that's being renewed as well, too. So we'll have to do it. It's coming out this year. But also one of my favorites and, you know, I, I have to have a crush on someone every TV show, but like, you know, Annie Edison was the one from community on the last episode yep, we did. Yep, yep, yep. And I think I'm looking at it from, from Ted's perspective. And I hope this, I hope she comes back, but I love Ted with sassy. She's yeah. so, Oh, I hope it happens. I really do have right. hope it happens. And to go back to Sam Richard. So like that whole storyline with him and, yeah. It's really dark, right? Like when he's trying yeah. to get him to come play for the, like Sam. you know. Yeah. It's dark, but it's also really important, I think, that people yeah. kind of see that side with him and Sam. So essentially, he's like, you know, offering life-changing money to Sam to be yeah. the spokesperson for this company. When Sam's father finds out about it, is like, Sam, you can't do that. I believe Sam's from Nigeria, and he's like... They, like they are ruining Nigeria, like they're killing our wildlife, blah, 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 drilling yeah. for oil, all this stuff. And Sam ultimately ends up turning it down. And it is just like, what an incredible character Sam is. Yeah. An incredible person. But yeah. it it was oh, poor God, Sam. how much that must yeah, poor <laughs> Sam. He just keeps losing. Sam goes through a lot. He's really so happy season. and sweet. Yeah. You know, um, when they're texting on what's it called? Banter. 
instead of Tinder. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Huh. So the uh, name that he has and the name that Hannah Waddingham's Rebecca. character Rebecca has. Do you know this story? No. Really? This is a Tom yeah. story. Their two names on there are hers is uh, Boss Girl and his is LDN152. Okay, what's LDN152? It is London152 and hers is Boss Girl. Okay. It's an homage because it's like the rom-com story kind of for the show. An homage to um, You've Got Mail because Meg Ryan was Shop Girl and Tom Hanks was NY152. And that I was that. Jason that's Sudeikis great. is like, we have to do it. <laughs> it wrote it that's in there. Great. I oh, know. wow. That's, I didn't know that. Wow. Again, this show that- is wild with their attention to detail. Did I know that? No. Twitter told me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. I like it. Did you have the same feelings I did though on Sassy though? Before I get, I just to touch on that. Yeah, one we last need time. to go back to Sassy. Yeah, she was. I feel like you would identify with Sassy in general, though. But she is. I fucking love Sassy. She is the no bullshit, ride or die. I have yeah. your fucking back till the end of time. Yeah. Who, when she wants to get down, she gets down. Yeah. I love well, me some Sassy. I well, love her character. And I think this is what I love about the show is you have an expectation of these type of characters from other shows. And so here comes Rebecca's best friend, old best friend. You've never met. She's a little bit over the top and she's outgoing and stuff. And I think on any other show, that person is the swindler, right? They're going to try to get over on someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you they're, just they're, described me. They're the one that like, there's a scene where Sassy is alone with, Keely, at, and and you're like, oh no, what's going to happen? Is something the gonna old best friend and the or, new best friend, yeah, right. And then it's like it subverts that, and it's just like, no, she's just a cool person. She's a cool chick, and then she's into Ted a little bit, which I like too. I'm like, go Ted. Good, oh, good I for really him. like it. I hope it happens. Yeah, his personality and her personality, just like you know, like if, if something positive to come out this man for this man is is always you know you want it, you you you're thirsty for it. But there's something else I want to talk about. Uh, change something. Okay, me play. too. But I want to see, I want to see what you want to talk about, and then if it matches what I want to talk about. So you go first. I doubt it. I, this is already in, it's all inside baseball stuff that I love to talk about. Inside okay, entertainment good. kind of go stuff. Ahead. There's a third person, and I mentioned it up front. There's there's three people. Oh, there's four, but generally there's a third person involved Trauma. in the show. Yeah, which is Bill Lawrence. Now, Bill Lawrence did okay. Scrubs famously, and I want to, and we're going to focus on Scrubs for a moment. <laughs> If you don't remember, do you, did you watch Scrubs? Sure did. Yeah. Okay. All the seasons of Scrubs? Nope. <laughs> okay. Hard pass. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So for those that don't know, Scrubs ran for nine seasons, which was a few seasons too long. At least one season too long. So, <sighs> no, you lost me a seven. I quit Yeah. Seven. Well, sorry. A- after seven, yeah. it leaves NBC. And then season eight, it got picked up to continue for 19 more episodes on ABC. So ABC came in, saved the day, gave him one last season. The end of that season, the episode is called My Finale. It was meant to be a series finale. And then ABC is like, come on, Bill, here's some more money. And then you get Scrubs, the new class, or what was it actually called? It was like Scrubs Med School. Couldn't tell you. And so the show limped on with Zach Braff briefly in the show and it became like, do you remember like Saved by the Bell, the new class where it was like just sure reaching Mr. Yeah. Belding? Yeah. That's what this became, except it was Turk and, and Dr. Cox. 
And that's pretty much it. And then it was all new faces like Dave Franco was on that show, which a lot of people seem to forget. And they had a new girl who was the new JD called uh, Denise Mahoney. And so the show sort of like limped, kept limping on as like a, oh, geez, we're just going to keep going with this because ABC gave Bill Lawrence more money. Going back to Ted Lasso, when the show was developed, and and we have yet to know what's going to happen here, but Jason Sudeikis said somewhere that he he had an idea of a story arc to bring the show for three seasons, and that's it, and wrap it up. (laughs) And famously, in the press, Bill Lawrence has said that he is trying to convince Jason Sudeikis to keep going. I'm like, don't do that. You money hunger. Don't turn right. Don't turn this into right. This is a guy who who did. Nine seasons of Scrubs and Cougar Town and a bunch of other things too. But he's like, don't turn this in to Scrubs. Like we were talking about last week about like how we now binge shows and like they live on in legacy and we'll watch these forever now. Keep that in mind with this show. Do you want Ted Lasso to go seven seasons where like it's like Ted leaves and it becomes Coach Beard is the new Lasso where they bring in like, you know, they jump ahead a few years and Ted's son grows up and and he becomes the coach or like it, it it's stupid. Don't do that. Please let this show like girl meets world. Right. Oh God. Oh my God. I remember that. Yeah. We oh. need to do boy meets world. Cause that's one of the best shows yeah. of my life. But do you think the show could keep going or do you want, cause it's, it's a tough call. Cause we're about to go into the third season. This could be the last. Here's the thing. I, yeah. Oh, I feel like this is end of episode commentary for me, but uh, I'll say it now. And then I selfishly could watch Ted Lasso for the rest of my life, but I want to watch <laughs> yeah. this version yeah. of Ted Lasso. Yeah. Therein lies the problem. Yeah. We all know when a show comes out, hits the ground running, much like Community, it's so strong in the beginning. There is nowhere for it to go but down. Yeah. Stay strong. Yeah. And if Jason Sudeikis, who created this world, created Ted Lasso, created this universe, is saying that he's written it through three seasons, don't extend it. If you want to do a runoff, do a runoff. Do another completely different show. Take some of the characters. Take some of the storyline. Do what you're going to do. I just feel like this is too fucking precious to ruin. Yeah, I I have a similar feeling. Selfishly, of course. But yeah, yeah. but I mean, it's it's kind of funny, too, because like we haven't done an episode on it yet because I feel like it's just it's a ten pole, It's a big one. Uh, but like The Office, right? Like The Office, like once Michael Scott leaves, I'll watch a few episodes of like them going through the shuffle and Will Ferrell being silly and, and dying real quick or whatever the hell happens <laughs> to him. But then it, it sort of like trip like trails off. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to start the beginning. Right. Because the characters go off and, and become you know, we talked about it briefly on our last episode too, about how like a show can just sort of devolve into just being like a shell of itself or a ghost of itself because it's it's not what it used to be. And I think some shows can go their phases, right? I think with Community, when we talked about it too, it was like the show found itself and then kept its voice. It was silly. It was it was it knew what it was, but it was that through the end. The Office is one where it took a little bit, found its voice. And then lost its voice and then just trailed off somewhere. Any show that goes on too long was the same thing with Scrubs. Like the, the, even the last season of Scrubs was not great, but like once it wrapped up, tied its bow, just let it go. Like it's okay to like say goodbye to the show. Seinfeld famously went out on top, right? Nine seasons. Yeah. 
The first Absolutely. season's tough to watch, but like you get through, like, I think it's like season two, even like I've gone back to like figure out when the right spot to start Seinfeld is. And it's somewhere like season two or three, but even that thing, it's like, it doesn't wear its welcome. It doesn't wear out where it's like, Oh, well, okay. Enough already. Like I think shows like how I met your mother had that problem too, where they just went on way too long and you're just like treading water for a while and you forget what your purpose is. Yeah. Anymore. So I don't want that to happen to Ted Lasso. I don't I'm either. worried that Bill Lawrence is involved for that, but I like Bill Lawrence well, otherwise. Let's see, right? Like, let's yeah. hold out hope. I really do want to talk about two things to touch on. One of the most beautiful friendships, I think, between females is between Rebecca and Keely. The way yeah. that their friendship evolves and like it's just coming from a female point of view, having done the rom-com episode with your wife... This is uh, it's a beautifully written female friendship that starts off so ridiculous and they hate each other. And Brett Goldstein actually said when they first started writing Keely, she was not supposed to be funny. But because Juno Temple, who plays Keely, is so fucking funny, they were like, we have to make her funnier. Like, she deserves to be funnier. And Juno Temple was like, if you don't make me funny, I don't want to do this show. And (laughs) Roy and Keely end up dating. One of my favorite episodes is when... Roy, who is like the super duper uncle to his niece. Yeah. She has bad breath and they walk around the whole rich neighborhood trying to find a dentist because like we're in a rich fucking neighborhood. Someone's bound to be a dentist. And they knock on all these doors to try and find a dentist for his niece to get her medication for her bad breath. And I don't know. I feel like that really encapsulated Keely Jones character. She was just so fucking funny and endearing and. She's smoking fucking hot, but so funny. Like she can do both. And so I just wanted to pay her a little homage because I really like her. But we have to talk about the Coach Beard episode. That is just Coach Beard going fucking ham. And (laughs) people that don't know, but it was um, Kyle's favorite episode, our Kyle that Tom and I share, my fiance's brother. Uh, It's his favorite episode. And he had warned us. He's like, when you get to the Coach Beard episode, you are going to lose your mind. It was incredible. He essentially just goes on this insane night full of it's like almost like a mini movie. He's like yeah. in a rave, then he's in like this crazy seance speakeasy situation. Then he's fighting crime and getting weird yeah. pants. And Brendan Hunt is a fav like he's obsessed with Burning Man. Yeah. Really? Him as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And he has a Burning Man like 2000 something poster in his apartment (laughs) as Coach Beard. And he is apparently like driven that episode. And when he created the episode was just like, I want people to see like Coach Beard is a Burning Man diehard rave fanatic, which that episode is just fucking nuts in the very best way possible. (laughs) Well, what I love about that, too, is... Coach Beard is is this, you know, quiet, silent Bob-esque kind of character on the side at almost all times. And then you have an entire episode devoted to his sort of chaotic journey on overnight in Manchester City. He's so weird. It's fantastic. Is that that's it is where it takes place, right? It it's it is it does take place I in Manchester think so. City. So I don't remember. Crazy, I trust right? you on this. Yeah. Um, sure. I'm probably wrong, but doesn't he get beat up by Jamie Tart's dad in that episode too? Jamie Tart's dad beats him up. Is that the episode? I didn't right? know that. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, Beard After Maybe. Hours. Yes. I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fucking oh, funny. It's so good. He goes into a, a nightclub under a church. Yeah. And 
I just love that episode. I just love him. He, it, Coach Beard's a wonderful yeah. character, and he's so weird, and he's in like, because he's so unassuming, I love that his relationship yeah. is the most tumultuous of the show. He's in the oh, will yeah. they, won't they, on again, off again, yeah. relationship with a chess master like himself. <laughs> just so, yeah. so weird. Well, and, and two, I mean, I think his subtlety of like how he sort of compliments Ted in general, like we already touched on Nate, but like he sort of foresees Nate unraveling, but doesn't intervene because that's not that's not the way you do things in, in Ted's world. Is, that's right. His words were like, just like do better, right? Was That was it. He said to like Nate. Yeah. Or be better. Just do better. It's hard. That's hard though. Like, yeah. Isn't that hard to like now that yeah, we know what Nate's really become like- like, he doesn't yeah. know what that means. He doesn't uh, know how. Just to rewind for one second, and I'm sorry I'm doing this. I, I should have said this there. Please but do. um, I, I do have a, a quote to, to mention <gasps> regarding yeah. new seasons and stuff. And maybe this actually might be a good place to stop because it, it ties in a bow. Well, I have one question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Before we tie up. Yeah. So one of Rebecca's whole storyline is she is a beautiful, successful, talented lovely woman who just cannot find love right like that's her yeah. big thing is she just keeps getting taken advantage of and there's this beautiful scene yeah. where roy tells her they go on a double date with this guy that she meets and keely's like he's fine and she's like he's fine right yeah he's just fine and roy's like don't fucking settle for fine yeah. like you yeah. deserve more than fine yeah. and you just really just see again great storyline for roy but you just see how wonderful she is and I just want to know if there was a part of you that's like, I, okay, this is, are you, are I see you, both are you sides. asking me? Her and okay. Ted. Okay. No. You know, it's really okay. funny too is I thought about this a lot is. Me too. So I kind of want to talk about it. There are moments like I think, and I think the show has done it in a few different aspects, right? I think from, I went back and again, I rewatched it from the beginning and, and in episode one, there's like some camera angles and stuff that lead you to believe that. And the interaction between like Ted and and uh, Keely, like, oh, is that something that's going to eventually happen? Right. Mm-hmm. But that also thought of that. OK. Sort of disappears quickly. Right. And obviously he, she's with Roy. And then I think that's sort of an expectation you have. But again, it's not based on anything between them. I think it's based on your experience of a show. Yeah. Yes. No, no. But there is. But that's where it becomes where it's a show where it's like a guy and a girl can just be friends. It's OK. Like there is no yes. expectations of like, oh, they're okay. it's a man and a woman. So they have to fuck clearly. Like it's you're you're I wouldn't hate ex- it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I but I hate at it. the same time. Yeah. But that's what I mean, too, is like, you know, Ted is this force. And that's why I think I liked it with Sassy, because Sassy just she had the confidence and she knows who she is. And Ted is this wonderful guy. And she sees that. And she's like. No one is relying on each other necessarily, right? I don't think Ted is the kind of person who needs someone to rely on. You see that in his relationship with his with his wife as she's like, I need my space, right? There's in the, I think it's the first or second episode where he calls home and he's like, I, I you know, like, hey, like, you know, like once we get things settled, love to have you guys come here. And then you pause, you don't hear the other end of the conversation. He's like, no, no, no. Like, I, I, I thought I was giving you space. Like she immediately is like, I, you know, obviously it's on the other end is like, I needed my space. Like, that's what I said. And like already shutting him down on him, just like looking like I want my wife and kid to come to where I am and and come see this. And, and he gets sort of shot down immediately. What I loved about sort of the dynamic he had with it, with Sassy in that brief fling was it seemed like 
that's the kind of person that Ted can kind of kind of needs, right? I think with Rebecca, to Roy's point, don't settle. Like she knows what she needs. She knows the kind of person she ha- she is. Um, I'm you know clearly for for her and Sam. I'm, I'm ups- uh, that's uh, that's oh, a heartbreak, God, right? Because like from the start, work. you're just like, uh, yes. it wasn't gonna work. Everyone wants it to work, but it's like it's it's it just not going to work. Yeah, but maybe it's also good for them. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't think. I think Ted and Rebecca would be a bad thing for them. I, I think agree. I think their friendship is what what thrives. Okay, I agree. I the the biscuits. We didn't really even talk about the biscuits. The way that yeah. he makes her biscuits every day, and she's like, "Where are these biscuits from?" You know, and yeah. eventually you find out they're they're Ted's, and he's been trying to perfect this recipe for her and. Yeah. And there's even a scene where he's like mad at her. She does something and he's really pissed at her. I think it's when she trades Jamie Tart or something like that. Yeah. And he was like <laughs> super mad at her. And then he's like, God damn it. I'm giving you these biscuits. It's the best batch yet. Yeah. And you know, it's just like this little pink box of Ted Lasso love. Yeah. But in the beginning, of course, that's what you want. Right. But then as yeah. watching the show, I think what's so beautiful about their friendship and, and my favorite episode is the second season with the Christmas episode is... Oh. They are both so emotionally broken, but yeah. they find strength in their friendship and they can come to each other very vulnerable and yeah. be with each other in friendship with vulnerability. And I think you're 100% correct. Just finding a show that shows you can be friends <laughs> with someone yeah. of the opposite sex and not yeah. fuck them and yeah. it can still make for great television. Yeah. And there was a little like, I'm, you know, I don't have the prowess that you do to know about camera angles and that kind of stuff about how the, but i felt it in the first few episodes i was like oh they gonna yeah. fuck today back yeah. when she hates him you know i'm a, a big yeah. enemies to lovers type person i was like bring it on yeah. but then yeah. i'm so glad that they haven't and i'm so glad that they won't because it is nail in the coffin he's now had yeah. sex with her best friend yeah. So they never will. So no, everybody just shut your holes. It's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I do. I love their friendship. And I'm glad that the they took the show that way, because I think that was also another important yeah. relationship dynamic. Well, part of me also wonders, too. I mean, it was the same thing, again, we talking about community, because I think there's some pseudo connection there as far as like the, the type of shows they are. Dan Harmon created the first couple episodes of community. And you can almost kind of imagine like the screening in an executive's office being like, Oh, I like the dynamic between him and Britta. Hmm, will they, won't they, we can last that for a couple of seasons. So like in selling this show as a, you know, as a pilot of like, Oh, and then there's Rebecca and maybe her and Ted will, like selling, it to, selling it to the executives kind of thing. And then like, all right, once we're on the air, we can do whatever we want. Cool. All right. I'm just going to abandon that real quick. You know, yeah. the camera angles of like, Oh, is Jamie's an asshole. And then there's this beautiful, lovely girl. And there's Ted, like that become a thing. I think it's set up like that on purpose, but Ted is too, like there's a heart in there, but he loves everyone. And so there's, and there's a difference between like love and lust and sex. And I think that's the part that gets conflated a lot in television, you know, and life too, but in television, especially. I I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like too, um, we didn't really even talk about it, but Ted Lasso has some of the best fucking quotes. Like he just has these tiny little quotes that I love, but there's one and I don't remember what season it's in, but he says something about wanting to see Rebecca and Michelle Obama arm wrestle. Do you remember that? No. 
And he's like, I would I would love to see you and Michelle Obama arm wrestle. I wouldn't be able to take my eyes off of it either. <laughs> it's just like this little first of all, Ted Lasso's quotes are incredible. But yeah. I just love the the love that they have for each other and their friendship. And I'm glad that you feel the same way. Because I also feel yeah. like it would have been very easy. It would have been the easy way out to make them a couple, but I feel like it would have done yeah. a great disservice to the show and it would have been a great disservice to their character development because they're both way too needy. They have too much emotional shit to go on. They both need yeah. somebody too badly in that situation. It would be very bad. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing too is like Rebecca is looking for something and she needs it. And yeah. especially with what she went through with her, with her ex-husband and, and the embarrassments and everything like you don't, you know, she needs something. And for her benefit, you don't want her to just get thrown into like, oh, cool. Let's just find whatever dick we can throw at her. Like, how about this one? Here you go. Like, even the relationship between her and Sam isn't sexual, right? It's romantic. That's what she's looking for. And that's what they she don't even know each other. Yeah, they don't even know what each other looks like. And they're just having this beautiful relationship texting on yeah. banter, which is essentially Tinder, which is whatever it may be. Yeah. But um. <laughs> One of my, just like a, to wrap it up for favorite Ted Lasso things, I fucking love that Ted Lasso hates tea so much. And what does he call it? Brown garbage water? What does he call it? It, it tastes like uh, like uh, brown water. Um, brown dirt, water. Or dirt water or something like that. Yeah. Yes, brown, something brown water or something like that. And it's just us Americans, we're not high in the tea life. But I, that when made I've, me fucking yeah. laugh so hard. Well, when I've gone to London and I've tried, the attempts have been made to serve me tea. I've had the exact same Ted Lasso reaction where I'm just like, oh, you know what? I went in Rome and I take it. I'm like, nope, not for me. Like, no, That's thank you. Please pass. send this back. <laughs> no, this hot, disgusting water. Garbage water. And then also, which which to me rings so much, so truer than most. Because um, have, have you ever been to London? I know you've been to Europe. Have you ever been to like, you know, the UK? No. And to measure my level of nerd, I had plans to go. This is a very hilarious Amanda story. In 2019, uh, my fiance was going to Scotland for his college friend's wedding. And yeah. on my birthday, he flew on my birthday. I was supposed to fly two days later. Everyone was joking with me while I was bartending. They're like, yeah. Oh, you're not going to get to go. Something's going to happen with your flight. They're grounding all these flights. And I was like, what are yeah. you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> well, my fiance was the last one. Remember those planes that were just exploding over the ocean? Oh, my God. Yeah. I was supposed to fly out on that plane. He flew out on the last one ever flown yeah. to Scotland because it was such a big deal. I yeah. didn't get to go on this wonderful birthday trip to Scotland. So I got to stay home. And in that trip, I was going to do a whole Harry Potter tour and go to London as well and yeah. do this whole Harry Potter tour. So no, yeah. I haven't been to London. I'm not bitter about it at all. I mean, maybe maybe for this podcast, we go on a road trip. Like, Can we remember, go? remember on TGIF, every like Family Matters, Full House, they all took one episode and went to Disney World. Right. Yes. Because they were all owned by ABC and Disney. So, of course, uh -huh. they had to like have an episode. I was like, we just need to do that with Harry Potter. And we'll just do like a road trip I episode where we go to like London. You have to have right. me mic'd the whole time so you can hear yeah. the tears, the shrieking. It's incredible. It's incredible. Well, the reason I ask about it, too, is because and then this is, again, uh, me understanding Ted was he sits down at the uh, to do the press junket and he goes to drink water and he's like and he spits it out. He's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that to be bubbly. If you go to the UK, and I don't know if it's just the UK or Europe or what, and I asked for a lemonade, and I got I got a lemonade, and I went to go drink it. Like, this is like, oh, like, this is like carbonated 
why is your lemonade carbonated? They're like, that's lemonade. What are you talking about? I'm like, this is Sprite without the lime. What are you talking about? Like, this isn't, you know, anyway, a lot of things are fizzy over there for whatever mm, reason. I drink like, water and water. alcohol yeah. and black coffee. So <laughs> really bad guess. I can't even remember the last time I've had something that wasn't water or alcohol or black coffee, but uh, liquid wise. So <laughs> most of my diet is Red Bull, so it's okay. Uh, okay. We're, we're, you know, two, t- two different sides of a coin, I guess. Well, I'll wrap it up like this. The quote I mentioned before. So the, uh, as part of like the, the, you know, uh, some interviews that were happening, uh, a quote from the CEO of Warner Brothers Television said that that initially uh, the vision for the show by Jason and Bill Lawrence was that when they went into season one was that it would be a three-act structure over three seasons. Uh, and he said, quote, then I think it becomes one of those things as you get going with it. And if you fall in love with that world and those characters, it's hard to say goodbye. But he did say this this season, which is season three, he says the end of the season, it ends beautifully. If that is all we do within the Ted Lasso universe, I think the fans will be really happy and excited. But there's also a way to crack open a door if we're fortunate enough to do more, we can keep going. So it sounds like season three does tie a bow on things, but allows it to continue if, you know, enough money gets thrown at Bill Lawrence. Uh, and and I don't know how I feel so, about that. I guess I yeah. have to watch season three. I'm excited to watch season three. But I always think yeah. about Fleabag, which I don't know if you've watched. I think I asked you if you've watched Fleabag. I have. I want It's on my list because I, there was okay. I, I saw one scene again. And this is how we're all discovering stuff was via TikTok. I saw a clip from a scene where she breaks the fourth wall and like, look, and I was just like, ah, this is my kind of show. It's incredible. This is, this is right up and my alley. And it's two seasons. It's two seasons. And of course, I would have yeah. wanted a million more seasons, but Phoebe Waller-Bridge is just like, no, this is what we're doing. It's two seasons. I wrote this. This is what we have. I mean, she could have gone for 10 more seasons because her characters are not, Yeah, they're, they're again, open-ended. And I kind of, in my brain, I've been thinking Ted Lasso is like Fleabag. It's going to end perfectly yeah. and beautifully and nothing is wrong with this show. And I would be completely yeah. okay with that. So I am anxiously anticipating season three. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it rides the line between being like an American and a British show and British shows tend to only last like maybe two or three seasons, right? They don't, they don't go on forever unless you're Doctor Who and even that ended for a little while. So, but yeah, I mean, I think it's okay if it ends. I'm okay. I think I'm okay with that. I'll be content. I think what's worse is watching any show you. I mean, I, I agree with you. There are lots of shows where I'm like, I want this to go on forever. But then you get into like season five of Arrested Development, where it's like a zombie of itself. Or they're they're doing the Community movie, which is coming out this year. Which I six mean, seasons in a movie. Exactly. So we're getting the movie, but at that point, it's like, man, everyone's like. 10 years older than the last time we saw them. Keep that in mind. And and so you're going to condense the people. And the thing is, as people age too, it's no fault of their own, but they get slower. We, we talked about that with the rest of development. Everyone's slower. Their quirks and stuff like, like uh, Will Arnett's like, come on. Like from when he did it on the first season yeah. on Fox, like season five, he's like, come on. Like, oh, it's, it's, it's hard to watch and is, already raspy voice is raspier and it's and it's tough so i just i'm okay that's because he smokes like two packs a day is he a smoker oh he's a smoker and they shit on him so hard for it yeah (laughs) i never knew that 
but I just don't want any show like this that's so good. And I think even if this is one of the rare ones that from like episode one, it's good. You can start from the beginning and watch it and it's a lovely show. I don't want to see my shows zombified where it's just like dragging along. I don't, season, what, seven of The Office. (laughs) You don't want that where it's like, oh, there's this Clark Gregg or whatever his name was like got brought in and we have like younger cast members and the older cast members are like shells of themselves now and caricatures of who they were like it's just you don't want to see that no one wants to see that so if it ends tie a bow on it I'm okay with that and it's hard to say goodbye Me to too. anybody but yeah it'll be nostalgic it'll be done well and it'll be like we said it lives on an in infamy but at least it'll live on an in infamy with perfection yes yeah, yeah. So. it's a nice tight three seasons I'm okay with toy. that it's toy yeah but I'm sure I'm sure somewhere after this episode airs we're gonna find out whether or not the show actually ends or not oh god I know I know I know yeah alright I mean yeah. well good luck to that then yeah. let's let's see what happens we'll touch base after season three I guess yeah I mean at the end of our season of this podcast which is after some of the shows and stuff end maybe we should have a wrap up and like a recap of all the that's a we good idea. Yeah. Because there's a lot that has happened even with the episodes we started with. So. I know. So well, we have a new this Severance is coming, and we have like lots of shows to cover wait. again. I know. So, I can't wait. So, um, so cool. All right. Seasons one and two of, of Lasso. Ted Lasso. So. Done, and let's get ready for season three. Cool. All right. Awesome. All right, bye, guys. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.